Nate is not here today, so this is a solo podcast. I just wanted to kind of get my thoughts on the record really fired up from this college football playoff rankings that came out last night. Nate is questionable this week for the podcast. He has the, I guess, podcast equivalent of a strained hamstring. He's got a bacterial throat infection. So um, with that in mind, I think uh, a, a, health, a, a scratch nonetheless on Wednesday, we still might be able to do a Penn State recap slash Nebraska preview podcast on Thursday or Friday. But today, it's Wednesday morning, it's 7.20 a.m. I lost a lot of sleep over these rankings and just wanted to put it on the record, so to speak. So, I mean, this is this is year after year, this is a tale as old as time. These rankings come out and Nate and I get very frustrated on how high Alabama is and the SEC teams in general. I did not think in their right mind that they were going to put Alabama 2. I think that is what everyone is looking at and saying, how is that possible? And it's it's really, really, it's difficult to justify it. And this is this is sort of what I, what I ask, what I would love to ask the committee. If I was in the committee room and I had one question to ask them, I would say, I know you're trying to determine what who the four best teams are. Right, and and if you if you listen to Colin Coward, he'll say, okay, I just go by Vegas. I listen to Vegas, so Alabama and Georgia would be favored on a neutral field over any other team. Therefore, they should be one and two. But that's not really fair because then it's what's the point in even playing the season, right? I mean, like Oregon and Ohio State, if they played head to head tomorrow, I think Ohio State would probably be favored by at least a touchdown, maybe ten points, but. Oregon beat Ohio State, so I'm fine with putting Oregon ahead of Ohio State because that is why we play the game. So if you're going into the season and you have preseason rankings, 1 through 25, it's based on recruiting, it's based on returning starters, and it's based on coaching too. You know, how, how good your coaching staff, how many coaches you have coming back, etc., etc. But throughout the course of the season, it continually becomes more about the games you've played and less about your potential, right? And that that's the reason why Clemson, even after losing to Georgia, was still ranked in the top 10. But then they started playing progressively worse and worse, and then they drop, 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 and now they're out of the 20, top 25 altogether, even though they have a ton of five-star recruits. Uh, obviously, Dabo Sweeney's a legend. You don't need to tell, you don't need me to tell you that. So that's, that's part of it, right? But then at what point, I would ask the committee, does your resume become a true reflection of how good you are and you're looking less at predictive measures? Because sometimes the committee has a tendency to reference things that fit their argument, I guess to say, like like they kind of work backwards. And it's like Alabama would be favored on a neutral field over Michigan State. Of course, they'd probably beat them by four touchdowns, but Michigan State has won all their games. Michigan State could win the rest of their games they could win every single game. They could beat, I think they have Penn State left. They have Ohio State left. They have, let's say they play Wisconsin in the Big Ten Championship. Michigan State could go 13-0, and and Alabama could lose to Auburn, uh, and I guess lose to Georgia in the SEC Championship and lose three games, and I'm still going to pick Alabama on a neutral field against Michigan State. Does that mean they should be ahead of Michigan State in the college football playoff rankings? Absolutely not right and and this is something that when it it favors the SEC because when the conversation is about who would win on a neutral field they use that to fit their argument to put SEC teams ahead but 
other conferences don't get that benefit of the doubt. If you remember when Ohio State, the year after we won the national championship, Ohio State was a one-loss team, uh, losing to Michigan State at home, but everybody everybody in the world would have picked them on a neutral field against everyone else considering how talented that team was especially how they were playing towards the end of the year when they obliterated Michigan in the big house and then beat Notre Dame in the Fiesta Bowl on a neutral field but they didn't get into the playoff because they didn't have the resume they didn't win their conference Michigan State beat them and deserved it so I am a big proponent on the deserving team should get there, right? The, and the ranking should be based on who deserves it, not based on potential or predictive measures. Because these teams have played eight or nine games. It's enough data points to say, okay, let's use your resume to determine who is best. That's kind of, I guess, the first thing that, that bothers me a little bit. And then the second thing that bothers me, and Nate and I talk about this all the time, is that these it's so subjective they the committee tries to make subjective things objective and for example they'll say okay well you have quality wins or you don't have quality wins but they determine what a quality win is you know and and it's it's circular logic so the AAC in in the AP top 25 I believe Houston and SMU were ranked in the top 25 of the AP poll I could be wrong about that but I, I'm pretty sure and those are two teams in the AAC so by not including those teams in the college football playoff top 25 you are basically ridding Cincinnati of a possible top 25 um, win down the road you know when they play them in the AAC cha- championship game and on the con on the other side of that Mississippi State who out of nowhere is ranked 17 as a three loss team they're the highest three loss team in the college football playoff uh, they're ranked at 17, so now all of a sudden, like any time an SEC team has beaten Mississippi State, oh, it's a quality win because Mississippi State is a top 17 team. Well, you decided they were a top 17 team. So if you're going to make these arguments about subjective measures of who has quality wins, the the what measures a quality win should be based on something objective. It should be based on something that we can qual- quantify and wrap our brains around as opposed to just being the subjective measure. It's like, okay, well, we said this team was good, therefore it's a quality win, because typically that always ends up being the SEC. And if you have eight SEC teams on your schedule and they're they're all getting the benefit of the doubt and getting ranked higher than they should, your schedule is going to look a lot more difficult than it actually is. And then there's this whole fallacy too, and this will be an interesting experiment. Auburn plays Texas A&M 13 versus 14 this week. If Auburn beats Texas A&M, they will likely catapult into the top 10, and I doubt Texas A&M will drop more than like two or three spots. You know, Texas A&M will probably become the uh, the new highest rated three loss team because they beat Alabama and they have that quality win. So if you have, to, and then on the other side, if you have like a, let's say the big, I, I know there aren't any like big 12 matchups this week but let's just say Oklahoma State and Baylor played if Oklahoma State beat Baylor maybe they move up a couple spots but then Baylor drops like seven spots so you have this whole kind of like you know uh dip and dodge going on here depending on what conference you're in now with that having been said I think the SEC bias is there no doubt about it I mean ESPN wants to make money it's no secret and I don't want to talk out of two sides of my mouth because I think the Big Ten also gets 
if, if the SEC is the teacher's favorite student, the Big Ten is the teacher's second favorite student. So when the SEC is out of is is sick that day in class they have strep throat uh and and they can't come to class then all of a sudden the big 10 is getting called on by the teacher to answer all the tough math questions so and and an example of that is you know michigan state is three i think michigan state should probably be higher i'll go over like exactly what i think in my rankings but ohio state probably shouldn't be five based on the resume like let's be real like ohio state's best win is against a and and they all they want to say okay like what great wins do you have well they don't have penn state as a top 25 win right now so essentially they're only putting ohio state that high because of predictive measures because if you look at other one loss teams on this schedule or on this top 25 they have wins over top 25 teams that are currently in the college football playoff but they have ohio state that high because there is some big 10 bias and wisconsin out of nowhere uh you know appears at 21st it's crazy like what they're five and three uh and you just look at what they've done and and who they've lost to this season and who they've beaten like there is no reason why they should be ahead of penn state penn state beat them in the in Madison early on in the year so Penn State has the head-to-head and I would argue that Penn sure Penn State lost to Illinois but Penn State's other losses a nine-point loss in the horseshoe to Ohio State as well as you know losing to Iowa with their backup quarterback on the road I mean those are much more impressive losses than Wisconsin so I don't understand why Wisconsin's higher than Penn State probably not a huge deal but nonetheless I guess they just had to bury Penn State because otherwise uh yeah, they would have had to. They would have had to do. They would have basically talked themselves into a pretzel trying to reorganize Wisconsin, Iowa, and Penn State because all those teams kind of beat each other, and it would be a little bit of a Mexican standoff. But anyway, okay. So what would I do? Uh, Georgia number one. I have zero problem with that. I, I don't think anybody who actually who watches college football would have an issue with Georgia being one. However, I do think they're a little bit more vulnerable than people are giving them credit for. I think they're being talked about like they're an NFL defense, that they're the 85 Bears, and I think that they probably will be shown to be a little bit vulnerable towards the end of the season, and I don't know if I would pick them or Ohio State, if I'm going to be totally honest, on a neutral field. In fact, sounds a little crazy, I would probably rather pick... It, I, I would be more afraid going into an Ohio State Alabama playoff game than I would an Ohio State Georgia playoff game. That might be a hot take, but that's how I feel. So I would put Georgia one. I would put Michigan State two. They're eight and zero. I think they deserve it. I again, if you're in a, in a big conference and you've won a game as big as they did against Michigan and how they won it, and I think also something should be said for them challenging themselves out of conference. I know Miami isn't a great team, but they still went down to Miami and won which I think something should be said for that. So I really do like Michigan State at number two. With that having been said, I would probably pick 15 teams over Michigan State on a neutral field, but it doesn't matter because I grade based on the resume. Number three, I would have... have, uh, I'm, I'm really struggling here between Cincinnati and Oklahoma. I would probably pick Cincinnati because if you just stack up Cincinnati versus Oklahoma, I think Oklahoma's looked very vulnerable. Like both teams struggled somehow against Tulane, uh, and you have that kind of common opponent. But Oklahoma did not do anything as as impressive as go to Notre Dame and win. Now, 
if those teams both win out the rest of the year, I think Oklahoma's resume probably becomes more impressive. But if I'm rating the teams purely based on resume right now, I would give Cincinnati the nod. So I have Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati so far. And then I would put Oklahoma four. And they're look, they're nine and zero in a big conference. I understand that you know they've gone through some quarterback controversy, Spencer Rattler, Caleb Williams. I don't think Oklahoma is necessarily a great team, but I think you do have to give them credit for being 9-0. and And they, they kind of are giving a lot of people flashbacks of the 2014 Florida State team who was just winning a bunch of close games. Like Oklahoma, have they found themselves in these close fourth quarters against really bad teams, like a 1-7 Tulane team. Uh, I think Kansas was 1-7, and, and Kansas had a lead in the second half. So I understand that they have not played great, but I still think you have to give them credit for being undefeated. And uh, number five, I'm not going to go as crazy as Wake Forest because I truly believe that like Oklahoma has beaten Texas and Cincinnati has beaten Notre Dame. Wake Forest hasn't beaten anyone close to those, so I am going to put Wake Forest below some of the one-loss teams. So now it becomes, okay, who's who's my five? I have the four undefeated teams. I have Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma. This is my argument that I'm making if I'm in the committee room. Number five, I'm going to go with... Oregon. And again, I don't think Oregon would I don't think Oregon would beat Ohio State or Alabama on a neutral field, but you just have to take into consideration their best win, right? And and Oregon's best win was at Ohio State. That is a huge win. That is better than anything Alabama's done. And I understand they lost to Stanford, but I just based on philosophy, I would rather I I give you more props for big wins versus taking away credit for bad losses, if that makes sense, which is also why I would have Penn State uh, in the top 25, but that is a whole separate conversation. So I'd have Oregon 5 because they have the head-to-head over Ohio State, and I think that their wins were more impressive than Alabama. And obviously Stanford's a lot different than Texas A&M, no doubt about it, but both Alabama and Oregon have unranked losses on the road. So then the next question becomes, okay, so the 6-7, Alabama, Ohio State. Uh, what would I do here? Um, you know, Alabama does have some nice wins. They they did crush Ole Miss. They did, uh, they did crush Miami early in the year back when we thought Miami was a decent team. Uh, I'm going to put Alabama ahead of Ohio State there. I'm going to I'm going to say Ohio State 7 so you you know I'm not coming in this with any bias. And basically my logic there is is that I think Ohio State's best wins are yet to come, no doubt about it. Like I think if Ohio State starts winning those Big 10 games towards the end of the year and they stack up similar wins to Alabama, then maybe you can look at the loss and who has the worst loss. And if you look at it and if Texas A&M loses 4 games, right, and Alabama lost to that team and you have Ohio State, okay, well they lost they lost one game to Oregon, who is a one-loss team, then I would probably eventually flip those teams and put Ohio State above Alabama. But right now, I would have Alabama 6, Ohio State 7. And then I would put Wake Forest above Michigan because Michigan's best win, where is it? I don't know. I don't see it. Versus like Wake Forest, I would give them some credit for being undefeated. So that puts Wake Forest at 7, I believe. So yeah, I have, I have Georgia, Michigan State, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Oregon, Alabama, Ohio State, Wake Forest 8, 
Michigan 9, and then Notre Dame 10 to round out the top 10. So that's my top 10. That's what I would argue for. And just thinking about this from an Ohio Ohio State perspective moving forward, there's nothing that Ohio State fans need to worry about. I think if Ohio State takes care of business and wins the rest of their games, they will probably eventually jump Oregon but even if they don't like I don't think that Oklahoma or Cincinnati have enough wins on the schedule to chase down Ohio State because if you just think like okay from this point forward you know what could possibly change well Ohio State's going to collect wins assuming they win out against Michigan State Michigan and Wisconsin which is three top 25 wins Oklahoma does have a couple top 25 teams on their schedule I believe they have Baylor Oklahoma State uh, and then the Big 12 championship off the top of my head. I'm not totally sure about that, but I think those are the games they have. But again, those are three top 25 teams that have a lower ranking than the teams that Ohio State's playing. Ohio State also has an additional data point than Oklahoma. Oklahoma has nine wins right now. Ohio State has seven and one. So don't overlook you know, the extra data point, even if it's Purdue or Nebraska. Cincinnati, they have one, um, they have one bowl-eligible team left on their schedule and then they have the AEC championship game, so they're not going to collect wins. So Ohio State's fine. Ohio State's in, in good business. This is Even if Oregon's ahead of us, again, not a big deal with the head-to-head. I do think eventually we'll leapfrog them once the resumes separate themselves out. I think Ohio State just has to focus on winning their games as much as possible. And and what, am I, what scenario am I rooting for? I think this would be kind of the funny chaos scenario. Georgia, go ahead, win the rest of your games. Uh, go 13 and 0, and then that means by default Alabama goes 11 and 2. They lose in the SEC championship to Georgia. Ohio State wins out. Oregon wins out, and Cincinnati wins out. And now all of a sudden the discussion becomes a 13 and 0 Cincinnati team, which won their conference championship game. Probably would at that point have five or six wins over bowl eligible teams or an 11 and 2 Alabama team which did not win their conference and I bet in that scenario the committee would put in Alabama and I am rooting for that scenario because that will expose the committee as the frauds that they are and that would just be so great to see and then even if Alabama does get in over you know in that situation that would actually be a really interesting playoff because you would have a Georgia Alabama rematch as the 1-4 and then you would have an Ohio State Oregon rematch at 2-3 so that would be a pretty interesting playoff and um, man I would just love to see them have to put in uh, ha- have to kind of expose themselves at frauds and, and put in Alabama. So those are my playoff thoughts. Um, I guess I went on for like almost 20 minutes here, so my throat's pretty sore. I think I'm going to end up getting infection just like Nate. So Nate and I might, we'll, we'll probably be back towards the end of the week. We'll see if we miss a podcast. You know why. This is why. Because uh, Nate's, Nate's under the weather. But um, we'll, we'll try to, and next week's podcast will obviously have a bigger um We'll have more to talk about in terms of the college football playoff. We'll be able to recap Nebraska and then also preview Purdue if we don't catch you later this week. So anyway, uh, appreciate your time here, and hopefully you did not lose as much sleep as I did over these rankings.